everyone. I'm Kelly. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Soulful Sages. Welcome back to another episode and a new week. Raquel, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing great, Kelly. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you for asking. I had an extra day off this week, which was very much appreciated. Nice. Yes. Uh, Well, actually, I spent it at a volleyball tournament for my daughter, but that's also very enjoyable. And um, knowing that it's her last season before she heads off to college makes a little bit more sentimental for mama. So it was it was a great day. Bittersweet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I must say, I need to thank the uh, honorable late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for his incredible work and allowing that extra day off. Um, Along with other things. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Which actually is is what got me thinking. And um, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about it this episode. I'm down. Um, I will make a disclaimer right off the bat. Go for it. I grew up in another country under a rock with basically all kinds of restrictions on what I was receiving. There are a lot of these issues that are new things to me. There are a lot of these. Um, there are a lot of things in these subjects that are very new to me and I'm learning. Of course, I have my own opinion um, just for how I feel. And obviously, I feel that, you know, it's unfair the way that a lot of people are treated in in the world, not just in this country. But I just want to say that take me with a grain of salt and (laughs) give me a little slack. Cut me a little slack. (laughs) No, I think that's um, valid. And I appreciate and respect your honesty in that. I, too, would like to echo that. Um, We are going to be discussing sort of our thoughts and reflections on civil rights in this episode. And I also would like to just qualify what I'm about to say with the fact that I am a middle-aged white woman, um, happen to be gay, which kind of puts me into that um, marginalized group, if you will. But um, still... I have no idea, no idea firsthand the experiences of a BIPOC person in this country, in this world. And so anything that I share are strictly my personal opinions and based on my own observations and my own learning. So take that for what it is. Um, But I do feel to my core that this is a subject that is worth discussing um and if we don't discuss it that's how it continues right so um yeah all right you want to just want to just dive right in i guess yeah and i'll uh echo back what you just said you know even though i i am an immigrant to this country i did have a lot of um like I, I can pass for white, right? Even though like you will see me blowing smoke out of my ears when somebody tells me, oh, really? You don't look Brazilian. I thought you were a white girl. And I'm just like, <laughs> because I don't really have a heavy accent. I was born here, even though I went to Brazil when I was two. So I have American citizenship. So I've never had trouble with work or any of those things, any of these challenges that I saw my own parents and my sister um, and, of course, many, many others that were in my community uh, face. Um, I've never experienced them myself to that extent, but I certainly empathize and um, I think that there's a better way mm-hmm. to do it. 
Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, okay. So with Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day this past Monday, I really was just sort of reflecting on him and the fact that we have now a federal holiday in his honor and for what he stood for. And that brought me down the the train of the civil rights movement, right? Um, I've always been fascinated with the civil rights movement. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just have. I remember as a teenager in school, in my history classes, you know, we'd get to like the the 60s-ish and I'd get really excited because I was so excited to dive into this civil rights movement and what it was all about and even Vietnam, which I was always mm-hmm. also fascinated with. And then it was just kind of like glossed over, it felt like, you know, granted, my high school was a private Catholic high school in the United States. So there's that. Take that how you will. Um, Also, early to mid 90s was the time frame here. So for context. But anyway, I've always been fascinated by the civil rights movement. And I remember specifically bringing it up at dinner when I was younger and had just been learning about it because I had the realization that, oh, shit, my parents were like teenagers when this was all actually happening in real time. Right. So I remember asking at dinner, like, well, what was that like? What was it like for you to like grow up during the civil rights movement? And I was really disappointed in the answer I got. Mm -hmm. I was really disappointed because In my mind, it was like you lived it like were alive and present in the time when this was at its peak. And your experience was just kind of like I remember my dad just saying, well, I mean, yeah, it was going on. You know, you'd see it on the news and you'd see like the Birmingham uh, protests and things. But, you know, it was just and I didn't understand it at the time. I was really disappointed. I can see now with age and um, education that my parents were just removed from it. They were white people. It was not on their radar. It was not part of their everyday lived experience. So yeah, they saw it, but it didn't hit home for them enough for them to really be invested in it. Right. So That started it. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I I went about my life. And then uh, 2020 happened. 2020 happened and George Floyd was murdered in 2020. And I saw my own child who was in eighth grade at the time. So 12, almost 13. She's a little early for her age. So she was probably about 12 at the time it happened. And being very moved by it, very moved by it. And we went to a protest together and I was, my inner child was like, yes, girl. Yes. This is what I want. We're going to do this. Yes. And so I guess in a way, you know, her interest reignited my interest and my passion for civil rights and how people are treated. And so let me just say that as well for this conversation. So everybody, we're all on the same page. When I'm talking about civil rights, I'm referring to the rights that each of us have as individuals to receive equal and fair treatment without discrimination. 
period, for any reason. Color of our skin, our sexual orientation, our age, our ability level, our um, immigration or citizenship status, any of it, right? To me, that's civil rights. So, yeah, so 2020 happened and George Floyd's murder occurred. And I just, I couldn't get enough then of learning. I had to learn more. I had to figure it out because it became so obvious to me that we have a real problem in this country. Systemically, a real problem. Um, so I started, I started reading and I started educating myself a little bit more about it. And that's really opened up a lot of new perspectives and new ways of empathizing. Um, I am not by nature an activist, right? We, we took Dharma archetypes. I did not come up as an act ever. Have I ever? No, Never but ever. I am very passionate about fair and equal treatment for people. Right. And so I kind of felt like this platform, this podcast, if I now have this space to share and to plant maybe new seeds of thought for people. And like you said, for other, because you're not the only one, Raquel. So many people, I don't even want to say lived under a rock, but we weren't living under a rock. We were only taught one side of the story. And especially, I mean, it was already happening, right? Like those people were already being deemed as they were less than us or less than white people. Why would white people worry about that? Right. Well, that's exactly it. And so in my learning, that was that was the bottom line. And I realized, holy shit. Our, it, let me say this, because this also adds to the holy shitness of my response. Growing up, my family my immediate family, my extended family, on both sides, my, my mom's side and my dad's side, very patriotic. Family in the military, grandfather fought in World War II, cousin who's an Army Ranger, brother who was in National Guard, mom who was in Army Reserve, uncle. I mean, I, it, it's part of our... Service to the country is something that's important. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And with that came the idea and the belief that America is the greatest country on earth. Oh, but and it's not just here either, because like, you know, down in Brazil, we drink that Kool-Aid too. They still think that, (laughs) you know, and we come here and it's like, you see, I remember like hearing the national anthem, you know, and like getting chills and seeing the American flag and just like, I let's remind let's remember I grew up in Brazil I grew up in another country this is not something I feel down there maybe now because I I do love the Brazilian flag but looking seeing like just seeing what it represented what it was supposed to represent what it was um what we were told that that it meant was not the reality nope And uh, a lot of people that didn't choose necessarily maybe to question and be like, well, is that actually true? You know, just let things pass and here we are. And that's why, you know, 
we're probably going to catch some <laughs> bad vibes from this, but we have to say it, you know, where we can't just, even if we reach one person and it changes that one person's perspective and they can shift a little bit and question themselves, our job is done. hundred percent. And it's hard. It is, it is jolting, right? Because especially like, like for me, right? Growing up in th that was part of my identity. Same with me. I, National Anthem, I'd stand, I'd get goosebumps and, mm -hmm. you know, chills all over my body. Unpopular opinion. Mm. Since learning the truth, what I what I believe is the truth. I don't stand for the National Anthem anymore. I refuse to say the Pledge of Allegiance in school. I'm a school teacher. I refuse to say it. I do not participate in that um, for a couple of reasons. But the main reason is the very last line in the Pledge of Allegiance. With liberty and justice for all. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. I stand behind you that one. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm not doing it. I refuse. Until there is actual liberty and justice for all in this country, I refuse to stand or say the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem. Because what a slap in the face. You're there like and you believe this and you're saying this. And then you step outside and you see these people being treated like they're animals or less than. And it has to make you question why? Why? You know? And um, I saw this documentary recently on Netflix that it just came out. Um stamped from the beginning yes and man yes let me first of all i had no idea well let me tell you of the extent that that documentary because i saw it as well started mm -hmm. from a book okay okay so there's a book by uh dr ibram x kendi called stamped from the beginning and it's it's massive it's like dense intellectual academia kind of reading okay i didn't even try touching that one <laughs> even though like i'm an english teacher i enjoy reading i consider myself an intellectual i wasn't even touching that one however this version of it stamped from the beginning racism anti-racism racism and you is a remix of the original stamped from the beginning okay this one is a little this one is made for young adults so okay this one I picked up right after George, George Floyd's murder. And I read it and it blew my fucking mind. Because everything that I was led to believe and I was taught about the history of our country and the founding fathers and all of it was just blown up. Blown up. And I... The word that came to mind immediately was hypocrite, hypocrisy. Our country is built on hypocrisy. Period. Period. This book enlightened me so much, and it's way more accessible. Listeners, if you're looking for a, an easier read for this, this is way more accessible. I teach this with juniors in high school, totally on their level. It would even go for like eighth grade and up if you're interested. Um, 
no shame in being an adult and picking up a young adult version. Okay. Um, so much in there, right? As the documentary on Netflix also alluded to, which they're not quite the same, by the way. Let me just say that. If anybody's thinking of reading and watching, I would recommend both, truthfully. Um, because the the documentary is a very nice complement to the book. It touches on some of the main players, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, um, and it talks a lot more in the documentary about sort of pop culture's perpetuation of the racist ideas. Um, and the book perhaps touches a little bit more on the racist policies in government that were put into place. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, what were, what were some of your thoughts on, oh, wait, before we continue, let me just also say there is an even younger version. Oh, yes. For kids. <laughs> yes, it is. It's stamped for kids. Um, good. Waters it down again, a little bit more right to the point. This is recommended for ages seven to 12. So you're looking for that one. Okay. Sorry. Continue. What were some of your thoughts on the documentary? I do have to say that I, the first thing that they, you know, said it was like, who started um, the country that started the world's first racist? Oh my god, I'm yeah. pissed about that. Like I'm mad because, of course, it had to be my heritage, right? The Portuguese, mm -hmm. the freaking Portuguese, had to start the whole thing before they used to do. Obviously, nobody should be a slave. Period. Right. Right. <laughs> but. Um, Portugal was the one that started the expeditions to um, to Africa to get these people. Mm -hmm. And they also were the ones that started the narrative of that they did that. It was there was a justification mm -hmm. of doing that because they were beasts. So basically for their own selfish reasons and profit reasons and man look at what they did it's amazing it's amazing what we will do to justify our actions when we really want to do them isn't it yeah yeah mm -hmm. you know when we to get what you want at no like no matter the cost mm -hmm. that's just you know not and for me i think like i said i didn't really even see this a lot until i came here because in brazil there is racism, but it's not quite as segregated. It's not quite as obvious and blatant as it is here, at least not when I was living back there, back in Brazil. You know, I haven't been there since 2005. Um, but for me, growing up, I have never, I never saw the difference in a black person than me. Mm -hmm. I had a cousin, his wife was uh, they're divorced now, but she was black and their little kid came out like super, super blonde, just like my cousin. But I, as a child, I didn't even understand the concept that she wasn't my family. To me, the fact that her skin was darker than mine made her no different than me. Mm -hmm. We we could have been born from the same mother in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, race wasn't something that existed like that. I could understand somebody coming from a certain place. 
but not just people that are from the same place just because they look different they are different and they have different value that's as a human that's uh despicable so one of the the books that really helped me conceptualize the idea of race and kind of come to terms with our country and its origins in that was this one past the origins of our discontents. This is a very dense academia book. Not going to lie. Okay. Um, There is another adaptation for young adults, a little bit easier to digest again, if you're interested. Um, But One of the things I love in this book that Isabel Wilkerson does is she starts off with an analogy. And she says that the United States is an old, like an old house, right? If you have any experience or familiarity with old houses, after time, shit starts going wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like you've got the leaky faucet or or ceiling, you've got the water in the basement, you've got things falling apart here, there, everywhere. And she said that the United States is like an old house. I'll even qualify it by saying now it's an old haunted house. Mm. Yes, that Mm -hmm. because oftentimes (laughs) when I would be either part of or hear conversations around race, a lot of the white people, younger white people would be like, I didn't do it. I wasn't part of it. My ancestors weren't, didn't have slaves. It's not my problem, blah, blah, blah. And Isabel Wilkerson is like, yeah, but the United States is this old house, right? We all live in that house. We've inherited that house. So with that- And it's ghosts. Correct. So with that inheritance, we've also inherited all of its issues. And so guess now whose problem it is. It's ours. So being able to say, well, my parents, you know, my ancestors didn't have slaves. They weren't involved in slavery. I don't know. Again, I'm calling bullshit. Right. Because you live here. You are part of the system. You operate within the system. It's your problem, too. Regardless of what color you are, what gender you are, how old you are, your socioeconomic status, any of it. We are all responsible for it. And so this book, Cast, really talks about race, right, as being this man-made construct. The idea of race was created so that we could establish and maintain a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And within that hierarchy, we're able to keep the people with the power and the money in the position of power and money. And she talks about the caste system in India, too, and how that established itself and still does over in India, right? But that's based on your family and your job and that sort of thing. Whereas the United States just kind of took it and now we base it on skin color or race. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What blew my mind in this particular book was the 
discovery and the knowledge that Hitler Hmm. and the Nazis used the United States' playbook, essentially, on genocide and segregation as their sort of starting manual, if you will, for the Third Reich and what they ended up doing in Europe during World War II. We, we... So you're basically saying that we're just as bad as Hitler, we just do it sneaky. Well, and here's the other thing. There was a part called the one drop rule where the United States at the time said that if an individual had even one drop of African blood, they were considered black African-American, what we would call now, and therefore to be treated as such and segregated and relegated to that life. The one drop rule was a little too harsh for the Nazis. They didn't agree with that part. So on some level, we were even worse than the Nazis. The only thing we didn't do was just march them all into a gas chamber, you know, in mass quantities and exterminate them all at once. For the whole world to see. Right. Yeah, because the Germans don't give a shit. No, we just did it over time. We did it over time. We did it through slavery. We did it through Jim Crow uh, laws. And we did it. We still do it through racist policies. We did it through the extermination. And food modifications. Yeah, we did it through the extermination of the indigenous Native Americans who were here before us. This shit makes me mad. (laughs) All of it. Like, from its inception, the United States has been... Ugh. (laughs) That's the only word I can think of. What what do they call it? Um, uh, Sheep? No, wolf dressed as sheep? Yes. Isn't it? Um, a wolf in sheep's clothing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. America for you. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. you know, granted, I will admit openly, we are in a much better position, I think, as a country than we were. For sure. I think there have been gains in the civil rights arena, undoubtedly. And yet, at least in my opinion, it's not enough, and it hasn't happened quickly enough. Hmm. It hasn't happened quickly enough. I should have marked it. There was a statistic. It wasn't until, I believe, last year that the... I think it was last year. I think it was 2022, actually, or 2023. Oh, I can't find it now. But anyway, it was um, it was either 2022 or 2023 was the time when slavery did not exist in this country for as long as it did exist in this country. Does that make sense? Sure. Like when the country was founded, we were founding the country and slavery was part of the regular operating procedure. It wasn't until we hit the year 2023 that we had equaled out years. Does that make sense? Like slavery had Mm -hmm. been part of that for 200 and something years. And then it didn't. We didn't sort of get out of that shadow 
until 2023. That's a lot to say, considering how much of the effects we still see, though. You know, like, okay, now, so let's say if, you know, for X amount of time, now it's also been X amount of time that they weren't slaves, but why are people still being kind of treated like slaves, you know? Yes. Actually, I just found that this thing. Let me just share this real quickly, and then we'll talk about that for a second. Um, it is a measure of how long enslavement lasted in the United States that the year 2022, I stand corrected, 2022, marks the first year that the United States will have been an independent nation for as long as slavery lasted on its soil. No current day adult will be alive in the year in which African Americans as a group will have been free for as long as they had been enslaved, because that will not come until the year 2111. Wow. Wow. It is in the soil. It is in the fibers of this country. And as long as we keep putting our head in the sand and acting like it doesn't exist or it doesn't affect me, it's going to continue. And like you said, it's still happening. It's still happening. Police killings, modern day lynchings. That's it. We just don't, we just don't do it uh, in the town square. Well, we do do it in the town square. We don't hang them, hang the bodies from a tree anymore. We just shoot them with the gun, you know, or we suffocate them. Step on their necks. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when we don't, we don't have the postcards anymore with the body hanging mm -hmm. that we sell at the local store. We're not, we're not that cruel. Um, it's just, it's just mind blowing. It really is. It really is. And it's mind blowing to see how the racism still happens today. You know, like I, like I've said before, I live in Texas. My fiance is African-American from Louisiana. And I have been with him in the grocery store in Texas and have watched white women on the same hall simply step aside, look at him and be like, come on, come on. And like, Dino's not, you know, like a, a ghetto looking person all like, you know, unaware of what he looks or how he acts. He's an educated man with a great job, very, very smart. He's very polite. He dresses well. He, all of these things that actually kind of make me think of um, how that was kind of like the condition, right? Like the, in the documentary, they were saying like, well, as long as you, if you, if you're clean, if you don't do this, you know? Yep. It's called assimilation. It's, it was, and it's true. It's a, it's a, way of thinking that if black people just assimilate and essentially act and look a little more white, they can be accepted into white society. Accepted into, not that they will be finally accepted as equals. Correct. Just accepted into, oh, I'll let you sit here as a dog. Correct. And do whatever I ask you to. You can use the front door instead of the back door. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, one other thing that really caught my eye in the documentary was I had never heard this term before, but they said indentured slaves mm. and they were a different kind of slaves because it was like they, they were a slave because they owed money for coming to America or for whatever reason. But then they were given one day the, the right to be free. Right. And to do whatever. And then they ended up getting slaves themselves. But well, do you remember why they said they allowed for the indentured servants to get out of their indentured ship, whatever they call it? Because they could pass for white. Well, they a lot of them were white. They were from like Uh um, Europe, Europe. Yeah. Central Mm -hmm. Eastern Europe. But also it was out of fear. Because they realized after, I think it was Bacon's Rebellion, Mm -hmm. that if the indentured servants, who were mainly white, and the slaves, who were black, combined forces under the idea of, hey, we don't want to be servants or slaves anymore. Why should that happen? They had the power to then overthrow the slave owners. And so as a sort of um, reaction to Bacon's Rebellion and also sort of a proactive approach, the slave owners and the white businessmen, let's be clear and specific about this, got together and said, well, gee, how can we avoid a whole overthrow revolt? Because then we're going to lose everything and that's not good for us. How can we do this? Oh, I know. The indentured servants they can pass for white. So let's let release them from their served servitude and give them land and give them a starting place and do their own thing. And then, like you said, that's when they got out and were like, oh, hey, and they got a little taste of the Kool-Aid, right? And started having slaves of their own. And that's when it really became this white versus black kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And it was all because the white slave owners feared losing all of their power and their money. So they, they, in a sense, outsmarted them and said, let's turn them on each other. Because they knew if they stuck together, it was going to end up being a class thing. And that was, that was too much of a, a chance, too much of a risk. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. But I can't help but ask myself, what more can we do today to... Because we can't fix what was done. You know, I don't exactly believe in that, like, reparations can be done kind of thing. Like, there's no such thing, you know? You mean financial reparations? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a... How can we... Yeah, that's another subject for another day. But how can we, even if it's just changing the mentality for the generations to come, how can we change this? How can we, in our daily lives, impact others so that they can see that that's not correct, that that's not okay? Mm -hmm. Um, My answer, number one, especially if you are a white person, educate yourself. Educate yourself. 
We are in 2023. We have technology at our fingertips in nanoseconds. It's age of information, right? Ignorance, ignorance is not an excuse. Mm -hmm. Educate yourselves, number one. Question, like you said before, question everything. Mm -hmm. Question it. There's nothing wrong with questioning something. And then once you know, because I, I firmly believe once you know better, you can do better, right? So the more people who know and the more people, I believe, who question and do the research, the better off. Mm-hmm. Because now I can teach that to my children who will then teach that to their children, yeah. right? That's, it's how, that's how it started in the first place. Right. So we just have to kind of change the thinking And it will continue that way. Now, the other big thing that needs to happen, truthfully, is we need to re-examine our government. Mm. I know. It's a big deal. Um, I think this coming year is going to be very interesting Mm -hmm. for that reason, specifically. Um, Astrologically speaking, I don't want to get too into this because I, truthfully, I don't know all of the details. But I've heard this from multiple astrologers, and yet the stars are the stars. I, you know, they're not going to lie. The U.S. is going through its Pluto return right now, which is really about a reckoning of origins of our country. And like you just said, how we got here, how do we fix it? What do we do about it? Right. And it can potentially be a really tumultuous time. And a very difficult time for a lot of people, especially if you are not open to seeing other perspectives. It's going to be a really difficult time for you. But at the same time, there is a lot of potential for healing through this, right? And alchemizing that pain and the, the evil and just the horrible things that we've done. Like, we can't deny it. We cannot deny it. It's like anything else. If you have an addiction or you have an issue, they'll say to you that the first step is admitting you have a problem. Right. As a country, we need to admit that we've had a part in how we've gotten here. Mm -hmm. And if we can admit that, then we can do something about it. Right. And that's where the overhaul of the changes are going to have to come into play. The Constitution, even the way it was written. When black people were considered three-fifths of a person for political gain? No. No. And and I it's time to rewrite the Constitution. It's time. A hundred percent, it's time. I'm a teacher. I have to rewrite my curriculum almost yearly. Okay? The state requires us to like re-up and revamp our curriculum because they want it to be most modern. Okay. I, I believe that. I get that. Things change. Things evolve. You bring in new stuff. But we're not going to revamp the Constitution. That's like a dead document. It should be a living document and it should be changing with the times. It was written over 200 years ago. You, we can't live by the same rules and beliefs and ideologies that were prominent 200 years ago. It just makes no sense to me. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what's also interesting is that the Constitution was written when Pluto was in Aquarius. And Pluto will be in Aquarius again for the first time this year. This year, for a short stint, it's going to happen January 21st to about September 2nd. Okay, so we'll get a little taste. Then Pluto's going to go back into um, Capricorn for a small bit during election season, which is going to be very interesting. Big year for us in the United States. Shit. And then November 21st, it's going back into Aquarius. I'm sorry, November 20th. It goes back into Aquarius where it's going to stay for the next 20 years. So. I'm getting goosebumps as I say this. Shit, me too. (laughs) If ever there was a time for us as a collective to implement and talk about and initiate change at a root level, it's this year. It's now. And how are we going to do that, Raquel? We got to educate ourselves. We have to not be afraid of the truth. It's not going to hurt. Okay. It's, it may, Caused you to question everything you've believed and been taught as it did for me. And me. But that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. By any means. Um, don't be afraid to have the uncomfortable conversations. Try to do so from a place of groundedness and open-mindedness and not judgment. Um, Ibram Kendi wrote another really great book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. This book came out, he wrote this after he wrote Stamped from the Beginning, um, because he talks about in writing Stamped and doing all of the extensive research that he did for Stamped from the Beginning, he had to come to terms with his own racist ideas, Hmm. right? Racism and racist ideas doesn't discriminate. You can be a person of color and still hold racist ideas. 100%. So this book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, came out as a result of that. This is his memoir and sort of his um, coming to terms with his own thoughts and racist ideas and and things like that. Um, So that was really good. Educate yourselves. Educate yourselves. Educate your children. Um, Ibram Kendi is a great person to follow. The Humanity Archives on Instagram is another great account to follow. Isabel Wilkerson has an account to follow. Check out that documentary on Netflix, Stamped from the Beginning. Really good. You might have to pause it and return to it a couple times. I know, Raquel, you and I both said watching it had some chill moments. It was heavy, for sure. There were some heavy moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And another really good series that I like on Netflix is called Amend. It's a docu-series hosted by Will Smith. Um, talks a lot about the 14th Amendment and really how after the Civil War, during Reconstruction, when should have been our first chance to rebuild the more equitable way, we fucked it up. Mm. Um, and that kind of dissipated. And then, of course, over the years, it got worse because when Obama was president, there were a lot of people who said, well, we're we're beyond the racism issue. We have a black president. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. To me, like I said, 
I have always seen people as humans, right? Like the color of your skin doesn't change that you are a human. Mm -hmm. So you're the same as me. To me, racism starts the moment you identify someone as, as their race. So when you say a black president, you're being racist to me. Like I said, my opinion. If I say um, whatever, you don't have to. You can say Obama. He's from this place. He has this background. Race doesn't exist. Ethnicity exists. Even when you see these um, ancestry yep. related blood right um tests which i've done i've done like 23 and me and realized that even though i'm sixth generation brazilian i am 96 percent what they call iberian which is spain spaniard and portuguese so meaning th the people in my in my background never strayed they stayed within their little thing they probably were racist and didn't you know think of other ethnicities as uh that they could be the same as them anyways but the second that you identify someone by their race, you are being racist. You are just perpetuating that. Like, we are humans. I have two thoughts on that. At, with these ancestry tests, all they can do is tell you where your family's from or where you have had ancestry in. They can't tell you the race. Race is not something that can be tested. No, right. Because, like I said before, that's just a totally made-up construct. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm -hmm. I have two thoughts about what you said. And I, I, I think at my core, I totally agree with you. Like, it's to me, it's human. We're humans, right? Um, there are people, though, who will preach this idea of being colorblind. Have you heard of that? So basically, like, being blind to the color of one's skin. Okay. While that may not sound like a bad thing, it also kind of is. Because then you're not honoring that person's heritage and, and who they are. I mean, that is a difference. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not wrong that it's a difference. Because, because of their background. It's because of what they've been through, what they're ancestors have been through and what they experience now on a daily basis it doesn't mean that genetically they are different than us totally it doesn't mean that that they deserve less than us because they are of a different skin color it just means that they have gone through different things 100 percent. race is not in our dna there's no way to mm -hmm. determine that at all yep um <laughs> despite what some people i know believe um but anyway um no, that is that is not a thing at all. It's a big topic. It's a big topic. And Huge. I don't think this is going to be the last that w you and I are probably going to talk about it, mm -mm. especially if the astrology is uh, plays out the way it's predicted to play out. It could be a very interesting year yep. for us and uh, bring up mm -hmm. a lot of things. And and. I appreciate the fact that you, Raquel, do not shy away from difficult conversations, um, as do I. And I think the more... I appreciate that about you as well. Thanks. I think the more these conversations are had, um, the better off it will be. And we will be as a collective. Mm -hmm. Because, like it or not, 
We inherited the house. We are the current homeowners. It's our responsibility to deal with it. We got to make some improvements. 100%. percent mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, Kelly, yeah. what was your soulful spark for today? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know. I have so many. Um, I just I appreciate the platform to be able to share some of this. And um, I look forward to exploring it even more. I know you and I were talking about in preparation for this. Maybe this will become uh, sort of a, I wouldn't say regular, but a constant theme for us because there's various pieces to our country and our system that you and I would like to explore and talk about. So I think this might be the first installment in uh, a series that I want to call the American Nightmare. Oh, okay. American Illusion works too. As opposed to the American Dream. What was what do you like? American Illusion. Yeah, uh, that works too. Yeah. Or... Um... Let's burn the house down. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Set it on fire. There you go. So I just want to thank you um, for having this conversation with me and our listeners for tuning in and hopefully sticking with us throughout this conversation. Yes. And please, um, we would love to keep the conversation going. You know, comment on YouTube, on Instagram, DM us, email us. Let's keep the conversation going. You know, let's talk about this. Let's create a movement you know let's change let's shake things up yes yes it's time it's overdue yes i think that that's my my soulful spark is um let's remember that we're all humans mm-hmm. yes yep. yes mm-hmm. and our power our greatness yep. is going to come from that remembrance and from that perspective so well with that we would love to hear from you like you like we said please like share comment subscribe follow all those good things you can find us on instagram i am dot delua and for kelly solvolution underscore coaching you can find our podcasts on any platform where you listen just search the soulful sages podcast um and we are also on youtube Mm -hmm. and We will see you next time. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Bye.